very often we set goals that aren't really ours to begin with, right? We set, uh, we set goals based on society standards. That's why everyone wants to hop into the gym and that's why everyone wants to lose weight is because that's what the neighbor does. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what you have more power over your health than what you've been told. This is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast and I'm your host, Maya Acosta. I'm passionate about finding healthy lifestyle solutions to support optimal human health. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life and increase longevity in a big way. Let's get started. Do you want to start living a healthier lifestyle but are unsure where to begin? Join us as Kun Vaisen highlights how paying attention to your eating patterns can help you improve your diet, manage food cravings, and lose weight. Stay tuned to learn more about how a plant-based lifestyle can help reduce stress and enhance your overall well-being. The full bio and links to our guests can be found on our website, healthylifestylesolutions.org. And I hope you enjoy this episode. <laughs> Maya, thank you so much for having me today. Well, I'm excited about all that you have to offer. There are a couple of things that are, that are important to me as someone who at one time did have issues with food. One is um, talking about diet culture, talking about intuitive eating and mindfulness. So I can't wait to get uh, to, to touch on those topics and hear how you work with clients. Before we do so, let's learn a little bit about you. Where are you from? Where are you today? And how did you come to this lifestyle? I'm originally from the Netherlands. People can probably pick it up a little bit from the accent. Um, <laughs> currently living in Slovenia. For people that are not familiar with that, that's Central Europe, just below. Basically, we're like surrounded by uh, Austria, Italy, Hungary. We're really Central Europe. Very small country, very green. Very fortunate to uh, be able to spend my time here. And how I came to this lifestyle has been to... Years of trial and error. I actually used to work in retail management for almost 10 years. I built myself a career there from literally stocking shelves as a 16-year-old boy to uh, becoming an assistant manager and further. And um, yeah, like as you can imagine, it was a very hectic, stressful, not always the healthiest lifestyle. I woke up with uh, two cigarettes and a can of Red Bull. And uh, that went on for many years until I had a burnout at the age of, age of 25 and had a good hard look at my life and what I wanted to do different and most of all, what I really needed to do different different also. So fitness was kind of like my rescue, um, but it also soon turned in a very obsessive relation towards how my body looked, counting calories, very obsessively, very restrictive, feeling guilty after a night of party and a weekend of, of binging. And I just also realized that that wasn't the way how I, yeah, how I truly would find health and happiness. So after years of trial and error, I actually came across a podcast of someone. I actually hosted a podcast myself with a intuitive eating coach. And I was like, wow, that's actually what I've been practicing for all these years. And I didn't even know it's called intuitive eating. <laughs> and uh, that's when I, when I really found my, my passion and my mission to spread that message further because it was just so related to my own story as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a strong believer in hiring coaches um, and when we want to grow in different areas of our lives, just a lifestyle that's not working for us. And then we find a solution and then dedicate our lives towards helping other people. Do you typically work with women in general or just anyone? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm open, obviously, to working with anyone who is willing to, I like to put in the work and uh, has something that they want to be working on. Uh, it tend to be, in general, more females because it's, it's, uh, it's not necessarily specifically a female problem, uh, but I do see that females are more open to admitting that they have these kind of issues. I think males starting to catch up with the more body positivity related uh, focus. Uh, although I think we still have a lot of ground to cover there. Uh, so I tend to, I tend to work with more females because it's, it's something that is more related to a lot of, uh, a lot of women. And I think that also women um, tend to, you know, constantly seek weight loss. Um, you know, this body image, body dysmorphia, this feeling uncomfortable every time we gain a little bit of weight does have us obsessed with our physical appearance. So we're more likely to seek out diets. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, why is it that diets in general do not work? Oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a really good question. I don't think even people realize like how ineffective they are actually and how actually counterproductive they are to begin with right because what diets do is um it's it, like it depends also on your definition of of what working means right so let's let's define that first maybe so if you look at it from the perspective of what the main goal is with the diet for the majority of people it would be weight loss right so what we see is that uh 95% of diets result in weight gain and not weight loss, or at least uh, over a longer period of time. So the far majority of people, the far majority of people that go on a diet actually gain more weight than they initially lose, if they lose weight at all. So even from the perspective of the goal of the diet, which is being marketed, the weight loss part, it is very ineffective. Uh, if you talk about uh, a lot of other things that tend to come with it as a nasty byproduct, uh, like uh, the, the low self-esteem, uh, the body image issues, the uh, lack of uh, self-esteem and, and the, the, the feelings of guilt and shame because of not being able to stick to something or uh, the, the, all the foods that are being demonized as either good or bad and not being able to live up to all of these expectations that diet culture and society has for you. Yeah, then it's pretty effective because it brings a lot of these destructive patterns and thoughts into your life. And it does that very efficiently and very effectively. And it does that so well that by the next time another diet is being promoted, you're going to want to do it again because you feel terrible and you think that that's the only solution for it. Yes. So I'm so glad that you're here. That's one of the things that I want to achieve through my podcast as well is to talk about these topics that we deal with, that many of us continue to deal with. Um, so you just talked about like, why they're not sustainable diets in general. And maybe to add quickly add to that as well, it's, it's, it's the restrictive nature of diets, right? Like, uh, keto gained a lot of popularity, obviously, over the years, uh, which let people, if you're not familiar with it, cut out all of their carbs. Uh, we all know, or most of us know, uh, that carbs are the main source of energy for our body. So our body literally needs them. Uh, it's the main thing that we get our energy from. So it's just these, these restrictions that make them very unsustainable. Uh, because with these restrictions comes also uh, the mental negative side effects of it that causes it cause it to be very unenjoyable 
and when things become unenjoyable, they become unsustainable. Uh, so that's also where a part of the solution is to make things enjoyable so it can be sustainable, of course. And I think that that's uh, like where a big part of um, why diets are so restrictive is because, yeah, they take away all of the things that bring us joy in our day-to-day lives. They make it difficult to have normal social interactions and social situations because of all these foods that we cannot have or are deemed as bad. And that has a huge effect, obviously, on our mental state. And yeah, what obviously then often lead, which will, like chronic dieters will be very familiar with that is the restrictions usually leading to overeating or binge eating or emotional eating later. Yes. And I wonder why that is. I know that one of the reasons is because we typically just focus on the outer. We just want to be thin. We want to fit into a certain size. Um, now I, you know, I hear this often, right? That people, and you just said it, people kind of eat, there's that emotional eating. Why is that, that some people do have that tendency to kind of like mindlessly eat or constantly munching on something, having that desire to eat throughout the day. I want to understand like the psychology behind why we have this tendency to do so. That's a very interesting topic. And it can obviously be many different reasons, right? This is what you mentioned as well. Like for some people it might be under eating or not eating. And for other people, it might be constantly thinking about eating. There's many ways, there's many symptoms, how your relationship with food can show up in your day-to-day life. And one Big reason is because we think that food is going to give us something that we're not being able to give ourselves, right? So it's trying, we're trying to fill a void with food that we're not being able to fill with our life because we might lack meaning, meaningful connections or meaning in life in general, or we might feel that we're not loved enough or not not enough in general or not worthy enough it always stems from these usual deeper underlying issues that people often also not really aware of or try to avoid from being aware of right so food just like a lot of other things like social media like like drugs like alcohol like cigarettes there's so many examples obviously that we can that we can name in today's society they're just basically a form of distraction and food is, is is no exception in that, I feel. Right. Now that's starting to make sense why it tends to be that during the holidays, we we overeat. Um, I guess one reason is that food is just more available. Like we give ourselves permission to cheat at the end of the year, right? Mm-hmm. We say, well, hey, it's the holidays. We're getting together. We have, we're around loved ones. So therefore, it's a buffet for two months or however long, depending on the holidays that you're um, celebrating. But so I think that's one, right? But then there's also this, um, at least when I look within myself, there's also, it tends to be a sense of like maybe sadness that here Mm -hmm. we're concluding the year. Maybe we're not where we wanted to be in our lives and the food is available. So therefore, there's the comfort of eating it. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, another big part of it is obviously like the rules or the labels that we have around food, right? So uh, because diet culture has bombarded us with uh, bread is bad for us and carbs are the enemy and the fat you eat is the fat you wear and all of these kind of ideas that we have around nutrition, we just don't know what to do anymore. We don't know what to believe anymore. We don't see, like, there's just too much information which gets just so overwhelmed. 
And that's also one of the reasons why we tend to go on these diets because it's easy, right? We don't have to think about ourselves. It's basically like, just give me the meal plan and I just follow. And that's like an easier solution for a lot of people. But what is difficult is to actually challenge it, challenge those thoughts that you have and challenge those rules and those beliefs that you have around food because that's really where true the, the liberation from diet culture lies is in breaking free from uh, like how they call it intuitive eating the food police and breaking free from that diet culture mindset. So a lot of these labels that we have, like I always call this the, uh, it's like kind of like the forbidden fruit, right? So if you have always told yourself that chocolate is bad for you or that ice cream is bad for you or whatever food uh, you want to want to fill in there, then it kind of builds up tension it's like that piece of chocolate laying in the cupboard and it's whispering your name and you say to yourself, no, I cannot have it yet. I haven't deserved it yet. I haven't earned it yet. And then, ah, okay, maybe I will just have one piece. And then before you know, you eat the whole bar, right? So it is has a lot to do with that these kind of foods, we've put them on a pedestal and they yeah, are, have become the forbidden fruit. And we all know maybe from uh, like when we uh, when we were a bit younger and there was like uh, this guy or this girl that we knew that wasn't really good for us. I always like to make this comparison. And uh, maybe our parents told you, yeah, you shouldn't hang out with that person. You know, it's going to hurt you. You know, they're going to do you wrong. But still you did, right? Because it was that, yeah, like uh, that forbidden fruit that pulls you in and it makes it even more, him or her, even more attractive. And I feel that that's kind of the same thing with food. We know oh, it's going to do us bad. I like, or at least that's the mindset that we often have. And because of that, we just get lured in even more. I like the more we tell ourselves we cannot have something, the more we actually want it. That is so true. I watched a couple of your lectures on your YouTube channel and found them to be just so informative and beneficial, I think, for anyone who is struggling with these issues in terms of their health with uh, relationship with food. So you've said that the most underrated aspect of health is mental and emotional well-being. When we think of health, we think of weight. Like a lot of people equate, I'm healthy because I, I, I achieved a certain weight, but there's so much more to that. Can you tell us more about what, what you were thinking when you said that about mental and emotional health? Well, like a quote that really resonated with me from another coach as well that I learned a lot from is that guilt and stress around food is going to be more harmful than chocolate cake ever will, right? So I think what a lot of people forget is that they can put all the healthy food inside of them. They can do all the yoga in the world that they want. They can sit and meditate. But if they're not dealing with what's going on in their heart and mind, they will always truly be unhealthy because you create an environment in which you cannot thrive. You can put all these healthy foods in your body and you can maybe look a certain way, but like you said, it doesn't equate to health. So if the outside appearance is just um, looking a certain way, but you're not dealing with what's going on in the inside, it's very difficult for your body to actually be healthy because stress obviously creates and especially stress on the long term, chronic stress creates also inflammation. Chronic inflammation is basically the root of all disease. And it has a lot to do with your gut health. And your gut health is related to your mental health. So these things are heavily related to each other. And the interesting thing is, and 
that's why I'm a firm believer of really focusing a lot on mindset and emotional well-being is that we have this outer shell, right? Like you said, uh, like what, the things that we tend to focus on, the foods we eat, the, the, the hours that we sleep, the amount of water that we drink, uh, how, 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 the, the, the amount of steps that we take in a day. And even though that these are great habits to be healthy and to, to live long, they are just the upper layer of your health and well-being. And what sits below that is your emotional health. It's how well you are able to deal with stress in stressful situations, how emotionally aware and emotionally intelligent you are, uh, how you can recognize and deal with different kinds of emotions. Uh, because at the end of the day, if you get into a situation where you feel tension or where you get angry or you, where you get frustration, uh, this kind of, or, or sadness or uh, whatever the emotion might be, those emotions are going to influence, influence your actions. So you can focus very hard on getting those amount of hours of sleep in, or you can focus very hard on getting your daily steps in. But if you're going to have a quote bad day, you're not going to be doing those things, right? That's unfortunately the reality of it because you feel bad. And what you want to do, you want to suit that feeling with more social media, more food or not food, not eating, whatever that might be for you. And then there's an even deeper layer underneath that, which is the mindset and especially the subconscious mind. And that's where a lot of the beliefs that we earlier talked about of unworthiness or not feeling good enough or the, the, the limiting beliefs that you have around food or your body are sitting. And on a, a most uh, deepest layer, on the subconscious layer, those things are influencing your actions. And we know that 95%, 90 to 95% of every action that we take on a daily basis is habitual, is a habit. So to break through those patterns, you're not going to be doing that by only focusing on that upper layer. That's really going to happen by focusing on learning how to deal with your emotions, to stress, and to recognize your triggers, to recognize your responses and your tendencies but also to become really aware about that deepest layer, become aware about your limiting beliefs and learning how to break free from them. There are driving forces that come from the subconscious that are causing us to have these habits that then lead yeah. to results that we don't want. So what is the first step? Because we know that people get stuck along the way. So maybe you can tell us either where do people get stuck? What are common mistakes that they make? Or maybe just how you work with them in general. Yeah, I would love to get into that. So I think in terms of like the New Year's resolutions or goals that people set in general, very often we set goals that aren't really ours to begin with, right? We set, uh, we set goals based on society standards. That's why everyone wants to hop into the gym and that's why everyone wants to lose weight. It's because that's what the neighbor does. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what your mom and your girlfriends do. So we just follow along with this path that everyone else is doing as well, right? A second really big part of that is that we do it for the wrong reasons. Well, I'm even though I'm anti-diet culture, doesn't mean I'm anti-weight loss, right? Like for some people, that might exactly what they've been needing right now. Um, for others, not. Right? There's always a deeper, re deeper reason beyond that as well, obviously. So when you just focus on what you want to achieve, but not why you want to achieve that, that's where usually people fall yeah, to quote in the words that a lot of people use, fall off the wagon or go off track, right? So those things are very important to actually set goals that are your own and to have a really strong reason beyond why you actually want to do that, that goes beyond the superficial of it. 
And then the next part is to actually be patient <laughs> because I think that that's like a very common human trait is that we want things fast, right? That's basically how our goal, how our brain is built up as well. We want that instant dopamine hit. We want that instant gratification. You may have heard that, heard that word before. And because of that, we are not patient. And if there's one thing that takes time, it is transforming your lifestyle. It is changing habits. Uh, like you cannot expect to change things overnight that have built up over decades. That's just unfortunately the way it works. Uh, but also that's the good thing about it because that gives you much more time to take things steady and easy and allow yourself the time that's actually needed for those transformations to happen. So how I usually work with people is also from that perspective to, first of all, get really, really clear about what it actually is that they want. Because a lot of people, they have vague ideas of what they want, but they don't really know how that is supposed to look exactly. So people might want to lose weight. People might want to get healthier. But explain to me, like, how does that look for you? What does living healthier mean? Or people want to feel happier. Like, that's such a... Like, what does that mean? What does it mean for you to be happier? Like for you, Maya, that can be totally different than what that means for me, right? So we want to get really clear on that. And we also want to get really clear on how we need to feel in order for that lifestyle um, to, to, to take shape, basically, right? So it's not th that we're only then focusing on a, on a metric, no, we're also letting our feelings guide us because I think in the end of the day, like that's the most important thing. Like we can lose weight or we can be look fit or build muscle or whatever the goal is that you have. But if you feel terrible doing it, then is this really going to be helpful, right? And you, I've coached many people that maybe didn't lose the weight that they initially hoped that they were going to lose, but they were very happy along the progress and they ended up looking back at a very successful transformation. So I think that the feelings, letting them guide us is a very good indicator of where we're at and where we're going and how we can continue our journey. So that's really, really the start of our, our process. And in terms of the limiting beliefs, it's, it's interesting that a lot of these things come up during conversations. So like for me, asking the right questions and asking people and like why is it that these patterns keep on coming up uh, what uh, like how does it make you feel when you think about this or that topic um, and what emotions come up when you think about um, living in a bigger body for example right or what certain situations might have happened in your past that have caused this behavior? Or can you identify certain situations that remind you of how you're feeling right now? And there can be so many different questions to ask to find out what the specific limiting beliefs that people, uh, people hold. Uh, but what is always interesting is that through the process, a lot of these things come up naturally as well. So um, a tool that I like to use is the emotional awareness system, where we basically have three traffic lights, a red, a, a yellow, and a green one. And basically the red light is everything that you no longer want to experience consistently and, or want to avoid experiencing. And that can be different emotions. That can be different, different feelings or different, maybe even different habits or different actions or 
maybe even certain people that you no longer want to spend time with. And the orange light is what leads up to that, right? It's kind of like our triggers and the patterns that we have. So for example, if you deal with a lot of uh, low body image, uh, there's usually certain events that trigger that feeling, right? You might have been on social media, you might have uh, watched a, a fashion show, or you might have seen someone uh, that has the body that you dream of or desire. And that comparison has triggered looking at yourself and not being happy with it, right? So the interesting thing is, is that we can, when we can start to recognize these different triggers, we can stop ourselves from falling in that same trap. And in the beginning, obviously, it's not going to be so easy. We usually tumble before we, uh, before we are able to pull ourselves back out of it. But the more aware you become, the more easier it is to recognize the patterns, to recognize in, in which streets you're walking, so to say, and the easier it becomes to stop before it gets worse. And then the green light is basically the actions or the rituals or the habits that you can implement for yourself to stop yourself and to promote a healthier, more balanced, uh, balanced self. As you started to go through the different colors, I thought I was running these ideas, just thinking about my own self that when I'm spending time in nature or when I'm cycling, I'm not feeling bad about mm -hmm. myself. And I'm thinking that would probably fall in the green category, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. So true. So true. Now I think of it also, it's kind of, I think the more up the ladder to go, so the darker the color gets, the more red the color gets, the more you are operating out of ego and the more you're operating out of victimhood or out of a trauma response and the more lower you get, the more you are in the green, the more you're operating out of your soul or you, the more you're operating out of the present moment. That is excellent. The way you just clarified, I guess, the question that I had, that that's a level of awareness that I'm not familiar with. I mean, as you explain it, I understand it, but I had not heard it like that with the colors um, being attached to um, where we're operating from. What is driving us, I guess? What's the driving force? Yeah. The interesting thing is this also, and that's what I do vastly different than a lot of other, especially health coaches, health and fitness coaches, is that um, nutrition and exercise, these kind of things are often the very last that we actually discuss within the program. Uh, and there's a very good reason for that is because if you continue to operate out of the same mindset and emotional state, then why are you doing what you're doing, right? So if you have a very unhealthy relationship with food or if you have a, like low body image, for example, then a lot of your actions are going to come out of uh, guilt. They're going to come out of shame. They're going to come out of uh, compensating or restricting. Uh, while when you flip the script and you learn to view yourself differently and you learn to break your own patterns and you learn to break through your own limiting beliefs, those actions that you're going to take are, gonna, are going to come out of self-respect and self-love and your willingness to take care of yourself. And that's a whole different thing. So usually it depends, obviously, from person to person. Some people might have more... Uh, 
uh, benefits with already getting some nutritional guidance to uh, like, for example, release certain ailments that they have. Uh, like that's, that's people that I often work with as well, but especially the people that really have a hard time with their relationship with food. Uh, often food is one of the last things that we're actually discussing. So I'm not the person that's going to tell you, you should be eating like this, or you should have these kind of meals a day, or eat your vegetables every single day. That's not how we operate. Because the thing is, and that's really interesting, is that when you start to break these patterns, and uh, just to quote Dr. Joe Dispenza, when you learn how to break up with the habit of being yourself, especially your old self, then like at the end of the day, we know what we need to do in order to be healthy, right? We know what kind of foods are going to promote that. We know what kind of exercise and uh, what kind of routines are going to promote that. So the interesting thing is, is that when we do it reverse, so we create a transformation from inside out, a lot of the things are going to come naturally. I wonder how many people, maybe by the time they, they want to work with you, they understand that philosophy, that approach that you take. Do you ever use the word weight loss in any of your programs? So the interesting thing is, is that it's hardly um, ever not a topic. So because that's just the thing, right? There's so many people that, like you said, are focused on that. So it always plays a role. It's, it's hard to deny and it's hard to say that it, it doesn't play a role or that it shouldn't play a role. I'm, I'm a firm believer of that. The desire to look a certain way isn't a bad thing either, right? We are all a little bit vain and that's okay. Like we all want to look good for ourselves, maybe our partners, some people around us, because at the end of the day, we are often being judged on our appearance. Do I agree with that? That's, that's another story. That's another question. I don't feel we need to be judged on our appearance, but unfortunately we live in a society where that's still a thing. So what I do is I take the focus from weight away because a big reason to grab it back to the beginning where we talked about why diets don't work is because they only focus on your desire to lose weight or your desire to look a certain way. And that's the exact mindset that's not going to help with intuitive eating. Because when you worry about how your body needs to look, your actions are going to reflect that. You're going to eat less. You're going to restrict certain foods. You're going to uh, do cardio out of punishment instead of because you actually enjoy it. And those actions are not going to contribute to long-term health and well-being. So we need to take that focus away from your body. And with intuitive eating, if your body is, like you said in the beginning, I help people find their ideal weight because some people might have been dieting for 10 years and they start going on an intuitive eating journey and they might gain a little bit of weight at first because now they're finally allowing themselves to eat all these foods that they haven't allowed themselves to eat for so many years. But then... Normality kicks in, these foods are being taken off their pedestal, uh, like they're starting to honor, honor their hunger and fullness signals more. They're starting to practice all these intuitive eating principles and their body slowly starts to adjust and go towards the ideal weight, but might be a little bit lower. But that isn't necessarily the journey for every person. Some people, uh, because of uh, like how they have been dieting, might be underweight. 
and the opposite thing happens. Right? They might gain a little bit of weight. So obviously when you work with health and also when you work with women, but for guys, it is, it is obviously a topic as well. Weight is always going to be a topic of discussion. But I really try my best to not make it about that and make it about everything else so that weight loss, if that is something that they desire, can be a byproduct of the actions that they're going to take. Okay, that makes sense. And you just touched on intuitive eating, which is a favorite topic of mine. And I, I'm hoping that you can go in depth, uh, talk a little bit more about that. The biggest step upfront of intuitive eating, and that's also why it's principle number one. And if you haven't read the book yet, I would highly recommend to read the intuitive eating book. Um, it always starts by rejecting the diet mindset. That's always number one. And it's for the reasons that I previously mentioned, right? If you have that desire to lose weight, your actions are going to reflect that. And that's always going to stand you in the way from actually listening to your body. Because if you eat intuitive and you might have had a busy day or not, and you check in with yourself and think like, oh, I'm actually hungry. If you would listen to that diet mindset or to diet culture, you would maybe go into reflect on everything that you have eaten already that day. You would maybe tell yourself, but I already had too much calories today, or I already had carbs today. So your actions are going to take you away from actually listening to your body and giving what it needs. So that's a really big step. And also often the step that people struggle with the most is rejecting that diet mindset and learning to recognize all these rules that they have around food and slowly breaking through with them. And that's not something that you will do overnight. Some people need longer for that. Uh, other people will do that faster. But another great step is to just start honoring your hunger levels or your hunger signals, better to say. That's, a, that's one of the first steps as well. And what this basically just is, is like you said, to check in with, with yourself. Hey, am I actually hungry right now? And how hungry am I? Am I hangry or am I a little bit in the middle or am I starving at the moment? Where, where am I at? Am I actually hungry? This is a good question to ask yourself as well. And even, that is a good side note to mention, is that even though you might not be super hungry and you still eat, that's not a bad thing. But that's uh, like a more in, a little bit more in-depth topic. So honoring those hunger feelings is, is, a, is a really good place to start from because it helps you to start listening to your body again and acting on it. And not only listening, but also actually doing something with it. And then the next step, which is a really good one, is actually to honor your fullness levels. And that really goes hand in hand with mindful eating as well. Uh, mindful eating isn't in particular a step within intuitive eating, but it is something that I would like to include. And it's also sometimes a little bit co-opted by diet culture unfortunately like intuitive eating is also if you look at diets like noom which claim to be intuitive but still let you track everything and that's unfortunately what happens when a movement gets big and gets a lot of attention diet culture tries to disrupt that um, so i think for for most people the most easiest or i shouldn't say easiest but the, the most practical and the most efficient steps to get started with 
are those three things. So get aware of your diet mindset. What are actually the food rules that I all have? How are they affecting my life? Where are these things actually coming from? Uh, like, is this from my childhood? Did the, why, why do I think that carbs are bad? Or why do I think I cannot eat after 8 p.m. anymore? Or uh, why do I think I have to first drink a glass of water before I actually eat? And there's all these rules that we have. And just like the awareness system, the traffic light system, this is an awareness system as well. You become aware of the rule. You come, become aware about where it actually comes from. You become aware about how it's influencing you. And then you can start to think about, okay, how can I break free from this? How can I let go of this? What do I need to do to... Uh, for that rule not to influence me anymore. So that, that's really the start. And a very practical approach can just be to honor your hunger levels more, uh, to check in multiple times a day. They call that a hunger and fullness scale. If people would like to have that, you can find, uh, I actually don't have it on social media, but you easily can find them on Google. They're all over in, all over the internet by now. And Print that out for yourself and before you want to eat, check in with yourself. Hey, do I score myself a one? Do I score myself a 10? Where am I at? And base your decisions around that. And then another good step would be to incorporate more of these mindful eating practices so that it will be easier to recognize uh, when your body is actually starting to tell you that you're full. Because to add a little bit more onto that, we talked about the beginning about uh, people always eating and food, be uh, food being a coping mechanism for many people as well. It is because we are so distracted and multitasking and doing uh, many things at the same time that we're not present with our food. Our body takes around 20 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes at its minimum to give you those signals that you're starting to get full. That's why you notice that when you go to a fancy restaurant or have a nice dinner with your family, you're usually much faster satisfied. Why? Because you're taking the time. So your body has actually time to tell you, hey, <laughs> we are here. Your stomach is getting full. It's time for you to, to start slowing down. But what do we... But what do we do in our day-to-day -day lives? Uh, we, uh, we're on the phone. It's a sandwich behind the wheel. It is uh, like a cup of coffee or a smoothie on the go. It is uh, our kids yelling in the background. So we're never really present with food. So what happens because of that is that instead of that 20-minute meal, it becomes a seven-minute meal. And then after that seven-minute meal, we're thinking like, hey, I'm still hungry, but I just ate this whole plate of food. And then we scoop up more and then we're over full because now the 20 minutes have passed and our body finally caught up with us. And that's what happens with a lot of people. So mindful eating is such an underrated um, habit uh, or practice, basically, uh, better to say, because not only overeating can lead to food being less absorbed within the body. So you will get a less nutrient absorption from the food that you're eating. It is can create a lot of digestive issue, bloating, gas, all of these kind of different things. Um, plus, you tend to overeat more, which can cause weight gain. Uh, like it can mess up with your metabolism, hormone balance. There's so many effects of actually the way how you eat, not just what you eat. That this is a very effective practice for people to just sit down, slow down, 
And if we talked about mental health and emotional health, you know, what is going to be better for you than just to take that time for yourself and also to have that, have a little bit of a conscious intention behind eating in general. Uh, like to saying to yourself, like, hey, I'm, I just made this meal for myself, or even if it is a ready-made meal, or even if it, it is on the go, hey, I got something for myself, taking care of myself, and to just be aware that you're actually doing something that is actually really good for you. I consider that part of self-care. When you're nurturing your body, your temple with delicious foods. Um, Kuhn, I don't want to forget, please tell us about your podcast because I think you started it in 2020. Is that right? Correct. I actually started it at the beginning of the, of the pandemic, actually. Um, as, because that was also for me, I was back then, I was uh, still working part time for a customer support company, actually. And I was just making the transition to becoming a full-time coach at my own boot camp in Barcelona, where I lived back then. And I was just thinking, like, what? how am I going to start? And I had a coach myself, a business coach, and he just mentioned, like, hey, what a better way nowadays. Like, podcasts got really hyped, especially back then. Like, it was a really big thing. Everyone was doing podcasts. And I was just like, oh, that sounds so cool. But I don't know how to do that. And he said, don't worry about that. You can figure that out. <laughs> just start, just, just invite people first, then we worry about the next step, right? <laughs> and um, so I basically just wanted to connect with other entrepreneurs and professionals within the health and fitness space, um, also to figure out kind of my own voice and my own path and to, yeah, use a little bit my, or leverage my network to, uh, let's share my own voice as well. And uh, it helped me a lot to, yeah, really get clear about like, hey, what is it actually where I 100% stand for? And I saw a lot of things that I really resonated with. I saw a lot of things that I don't resonate with. I saw many tactics that are very helpful for some people and very destructive for others. And through all of that, I really found my own, yeah, my own voice. And I think for me, it has been a wonderful practice because also I just you know, love to connect with other people and you know, interview like yourself. So um, I've been doing that for a while, but it also became quite time consuming. So at the moment, it's uh, it's on a little bit of a pause, uh, but it's definitely a goal of mine for this year to start picking it back up. And also to rebrand it much more related to actually intuitive eating, mindful eating, emotional eating, uh, more, much more nutrition and probably also some more emotional and mental well-being uh, related topics. Yay. Wonderful. That's sort of like <laughs> my podcast too has, is going through, um, I don't know if I want to call it a 2.0 level, but it's definitely reflecting my own growth. I've been listening to your episodes, but now this kind of new direction and rebrand that you're talking about uh, makes me more excited because I'm going to want to listen. I like what you said earlier. I don't like the categories of good foods and bad foods. I don't look at other people's meals and say, that's bad food. I, I look at myself and what works for me, what my body is calling for when I'm listening because you're right. There are times when I'm craving a large, big salad. That's my body telling me that it's not diet culture. It's, I want this. I want a lot of green right now. So wonderful. I have enjoyed speaking with you and getting to know you. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and perhaps even sign up for some of your coaching programs? 
So they always can check out my website. I honestly have to say making websites, not my best part of uh, my professional career, so to say, but they can check out www.theveganacademy.com. So quite easy to uh, to remember, theveganacademy.com. Or they can check me out under the same name on Instagram as well. That's basically the two platforms where I'm uh, most active um, or the one platform I'm, mo- I'm most active. And yeah, they can always shoot me a DM or book a call straight away on my website, check out some reviews of other people. Um, and, and yeah, I would just like, if, if you are in a position where you feel like, hey, my relationship with food is just not the way I would really love it to be. You've tried many diets, nothing really worked or nothing really lasted. And you're just unsure about what to do next. Then an anti-diet approach might be exactly what you need. And I feel that one thing where I feel really strongly about, and that's also maybe a nice word to finish with, is that having engulfed myself so deep into intuitive eating for the last year and a half, two years, I've also seen the flaws of intuitive eating. Like every uh, community, uh, just with veganism, uh, with the plant-based community, there's always pros and cons. And one thing that I have seen is that often the health path gets a little bit neglected because it has been a focus point for way too long for way too many people. And that can lead for people to shy away from taking the healthier approach because it triggers too much of that diet culture and diet mindset thoughts. And I don't believe that that's always going to be the most beneficial, um, most beneficial path that we really want to steer ourselves into. So I really believe that balance is key, uh, balance between your emotional, physical, and mental, and maybe even spiritual well-being altogether, but also balance between, to use a label, uh, healthier foods and unhealthier foods. Um, I think that that's really important as well. Such a valid point. I like the approach of of just healing our overall health and being very holistic. And that's that's what you are. So I uh, thank you so much because you added so much value to our listeners. And I will definitely stay in touch. So Kuhn Vason, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me today, Maya. And uh, I love being here. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us to spread our message. You can also head on over to podinbox.com forward slash HLS to leave me a voicemail. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, thank you for listening.